This morning we have Pete that will come and preach the word. I just want to say a couple of things about Pete. Pete is one of our pastors that oversee our children's and younger generation's ministry, but he's not just our kids' pastor. He is the guy that holds it all together behind the scenes. And I want to say this, like this is our last Sunday celebration for the year. Peter's the guy that you don't always get to hear or know about because on a Tuesday we have our pastor's meetings and we talk about all that didn't work, all that went wrong. Nine out of 10 times, Peter's the guy that is troubleshooting, problem solving behind the scenes. He may not be up on the stage often, but he is so valuable in holding all this together and what happens in the week. So I'd like to just honor Peter. If you can just give him a hand. So, yeah, we value, you, we value you, Pete, and we are so grateful for the gift that you are to this local church, and we're excited for the word that you have for us this morning um, on the mystery of Jesus. I'm not too sure what your sermon topic is, um, but it's, I do actually know, but I don't have it in front of me. I just also, before I sit down, just want to say happy birthday to Jill van der Volt. I see she's not here this morning, but if you do know Jill van der Volt, you can send her a happy birthday message. Over to you, Pete. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, it, is, it is odd sending this side of that, this auditorium. Um, so as, as Paul mentioned, um, uh, we are in a series called The Mystery of Jesus. Um, and if you haven't heard the last two sermons, guys, what, what, what up? <laughs> okay, because I'm following two amazing speakers that spoke, and then tomorrow Paul is bringing the next level of everything. And so I'm like that guy in the middle that's the advert break or something. I don't know. No, I'm joking. Uh, but I really pray that what I share today is from the Holy Spirit because if I have to compete with all these other awesome speakers around me, I'm probably not going to do well on my own. And so I need the Holy Spirit to fill me and to make sure that he, it's his words and, and um, yeah, and may he just do what he needs to do. Um, I titled this, my, my sermon this morning called The Mystery Gift. And so it is our Christmas season. It is Christmas and we all know gifts are a great part of what we do, right? Yes? No? Who doesn't like gifts? Who loves gifts? There we go. Okay, now we, we at least we're honest. <laughs> all right? And who loves getting gifts? Who loves getting gifts? Okay? And who's like me who loves giving gifts? I'm a giver guy. I'm like, I get way more joy giving than I get getting, so just so you know. Um, all right, who likes, who likes little boxes? Pens. <laughs> who likes big boxes? All right. Um, yeah, who, likes, who, likes, who likes boxes probably around about this big, like about this side, about this thick? It's got like a technological thing in it. it starts with a P. You know, who wants one of those ones, those boxes, that, that shape one, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, and if you look back at this year, and I know what I'm going to say is going to stir up some stuff in our hearts, and, and, I, and I had to think about it whether I said it or not, but I really do feel the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. But what I want to, what I want to find out from you is if you, if you could get any gift this year, any gift, what would it be? World peace. Okay. Um, sorry, my, my, my sermon just like closed down on me. Um, 
Who would, who would ask for lots of money? <laughs> who, would, who would have a loved one with us? Who would want healthy life? Um, who would want who would want a life partner? Somebody to marry? Who would like a, a child? Who wants a PS5? <laughs> no, 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 PS5 for me, please. No, no time for that kind of stuff. Um, but is Christmas about the gifts? Who says no? Who says Christmas is not about the gifts? Who says Christmas is about the gifts? Why are you going to preach my sermon, Fred? Why are you going to be like that? No, I'm joking. All right? So my challenge to you this morning as I share, share this sermon um, is that I really want you to have a fresh revelation of this concept of gifts. And, and yes, at, at Christmas, we can, I can, we can have a preacher who comes up here and says, you know what? You know, this world that we're in, it's all like commercialized and Christmas is all like gifts and presents and tinsel and trees and all this other stuff. And Jesus is going out the window and we're all forgetting about the real reason for the season. And we need to talk about Jesus and we need to talk about Jesus as being the ultimate gift. And we're gonna do all of that. But that's not what I'm gonna talk about today. What I want to talk about today is about the concept of, of giving. And I want you to have a really different take on when it comes to Christmas and why we give. Why do we celebrate Christmas this way? And I'm gonna start by reading from Luke 2. Now, it wouldn't be a Christmas message if somebody didn't reread Luke 2, okay? So for those who don't know, right, there's only two, parts, two, two places in the gospel that mention the birth of Jesus, Matthew and Luke. So we've touched on Matthew, done some other verses from you know, Old Testament, New Testament, some other things. And so I'm bringing Luke. You see, we bring a nice round picture. So here we go. All right, Luke 2, verse 1 to 21. Um, in, the, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus uh, that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from that house of, in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that there will be a, for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel and a multitude and the heavenly host praising God and, and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he has blessed. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they, they had known that, that, that when they saw it, they made known 
that saying that had been, been told about concerning this child. And all who heard and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and has been told to them. At the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, a name given to him, given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The nativity in a nutshell. Okay, we're missing the wise men, I know. Okay, but that's in Matthew, and I have to go back to that, and that's a whole different passage. But it's okay, we get it, right? Right? And it's a beautiful story, right? There's angels and shepherds and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and, and, it, and it's just... Um, Oh, sorry, I wasn't paging with this. My bad. See, I don't do this thing. I'm only that side. Sorry, my bad. Anyway, um, there we go. There's our nativity, all right? The nativity is such a beautiful story. I, like, I love being able to tell my daughter. My daughter's now three, and I love being able to, like, reading the story, and then you get all these different cool versions. There's a really cool movie you can watch about it. It's a beautiful story. But is it? Again, we've kind of painted this awesome picture of the nativity. So what I want to do before I kind of get into, into what, I, what God has asked me to share is what I want you to do is to look at this, this passage, Luke, Luke 2. There's a lot that I can talk about. But what I do want to talk about is the context in which Luke writes this, all right, and paints this picture. He gives us some details. Luke, for those who don't remember, Luke is like the detailed guy in the disciples. Okay? He's like, he likes detail. He likes the nitty-gritty of little things. And he tells those things for a reason. Okay, they're not just there like randomly, all right? They're there because he really wants you to understand something about what is being said. So he mentions certain things. So for example, he mentions um, Caesar Augustus. Who was Caesar Augustus? Does anybody know? I'm gonna tell you because I'm awesome like that. Caesar Augustus is the great nephew to Julius Caesar. So we have Julius Caesar, his sister's daughter. Daughter's daughter, something like that, right? Something like that. Caesar Augusta, all right? And when he became, when he, he didn't just like randomly like become like Caesar. What happened is um, he, was, he was born, but um, Caesar was still in, alive, and Caesar was, Julius Caesar was still running around, and Julius Caesar adopted Caesar Augustus. Uh, Augustus, he was, he, was, he, was, he was by a different name at the time. Um, I will tell you his name. He was Gaius Octavius Theorinius, all right? So um, Octavius was his, his birth name, and he was, and, and, and so Caesar adopts him, Julius Caesar adopts him, and then there's a little bit of war that goes on, because when Julius gets murdered, okay, he gets like taken out, Julius gets, uh, Julius Caesar, somebody has to take the throne, and it wasn't just going to, um, Julius Caesar wanted Octavius to take him as to become the next Caesar, but you know, it's Rome, and we've seen the movies, it doesn't, it's not that simple, you know what I mean? So we have Mark Anthony, and Mark Anthony wants to take, and there's this other guy, uh, what is his name? Uh, Lepidus. And Lepidus, or Lepidus, or whatever his name is, Lepidus, he, he's in the picture. Then there's a whole lot of war. There's a whole movie, stories, you can go and read it about it. A lot of stuff happens. Lepidus kind of like fails quite quickly. He's, he's, he's lame like that. And then um, Mark Anthony and Octavius have a battle and Mark Anthony gets Cleopatra, and there's lots of war and ships and chaos. And guess who wins? Octavius. And he calls himself, becomes Caesar, and becomes called Caesar Augustus. So in the day that Jesus was born, this is the time of this guy, right? There's political stuff going on, there's war. He's taken over a lot of stuff. And so he makes a decree, and he says, I want to know 
what's happening with this, this country. And so he calls, this, well, this, this, he calls it the world, right? And even um, um, Luke mentions it, it, that that was the known world. The Roman Empire was the known world. And so he wants to know what's happening in the world, right? He wants to know who's around and who's under his now control, all right? That is the time that Jesus was born into. And why would you do a census? Why would you want to know who's in your empire? Two reasons. Military, conscription, and taxes. <laughs> need money. <laughs> we need to know how many people so we know how much money we're going to be making, making sure that we get it. Now, the Jews were, in this time, they were exempt from military service. So to not count all the Jews would mean what? Money. That was the point. All right? So, th- so they had to, a decree was made. And so this is what needed to be happened. And then we, we, we read about that, that Joseph, I mean, um, yeah, Joseph has to now make a plan and he has to go to the place of his family so he can be counted there and he has to take his betrothed with him and he's got to go from Nazareth. Now again, we paint these pictures of Nazareth and Bethlehem. Nazareth is a little, little town at this time, right? Like maybe like a few hundred people. That's less than what's in here, right? That's how many people live in Nazareth, right? It is small, Right? Different sermon, can you imagine being in a very, very small town like that and somebody gets miraculously pregnant? It's a whole different sermon. But you can understand the, the pressure she's under and preached about it. Go watch the message. It's pretty good. <laughs> right? Now, Nazareth isn't just like down the road, like to Northgate kind of thing. It's 140 kilometers away from Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about just outside um, Jerusalem. It's like, um, it's about... 15 or 11 Ks or so and so around there. It's a little bit bigger. Um, it's got a lot of like inns and stuff because people would stay just outside Jerusalem if they needed to go into Jerusalem. And so Bethlehem is kind of like one of those towns, right? And you've got to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So Mary, being pregnant, and Joseph have to go to Bethlehem. They, we don't know if they rode a donkey. We presume they rode a donkey. It's not in the story, so just by the by, just adding it in there. Right? But they have to go up the hills, around the mountains. They have to get there. Right? There's no roads. There's no cars. Now, you must also understand something about Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph are, um, they are lower class people. How do we know this? Because they go to Bethlehem. They finally get there. And there's no place for them to stay because of the census. Now, if you are running like a business, Right? Who do you have in your, in your, in your accommodation? Right? People with money. And the people that have money, and even if you have somebody in it, it's not like, it's not like now where you can go to like the Protea Hotel and make a booking and, and the booking stands. Right? It's back in the day here. If you arrived and you have more money than somebody else, sorry, take your stuff out, next person in. <laughs> okay? You get kicked out. Right? So people with influence, people that are politically connected, people that maybe you Roman or whatever, you get first choice. So we know that Mary and Joseph get put in a stable outside somewhere. It could have been a cave, could have been a little house, could have been on the side, but there's nowhere else for her to go. No one wants to take her or them, okay? So they're not connected in any way, shape or form. Then you've got angels that suddenly appear in all of this story, right? Now, Again, what I want to say about this is this is a time where there's no TV. 
right? There's no Marvel and DC, right? So when an angel appears to you, it's not like, oh, so cool, woohoo, okay? Show me your superpower, can you do this, right? It's, it's, it's not that time, okay? An angel appears to you, it is pretty terrifying, all right? It is scary, scary stuff, right? And so the angels appear to Mary, Joseph, and also appears to, or in a dream, appears to the wise men. We've got the shepherds who see like a whole host of them. That must have been a sight. But again, we think about, oh, the shepherds are cool guys. No, they're not, right? The shepherds are doing like a really, really menial task, right? They're away from home, which means they can't protect the honor of their house. They can't do anything. They're like, they can't work as carpenters or builders or anything like that. They're looking after the animals out in the bush. Like, again, it's, there's not like fancy equipment to look after. This is like rustic. And they have to travel and find grass in the middle of a deserty area, right? It's not just, it's not a nice thing to be doing. And now you're just chilling, minding your own business, and these angels appear. Yo, guys, <laughs> this is rough. All right? Am I painting a cool picture? All right, now we get the manger, all right? You give birth to a baby, and like, there's no like nice little incubatory like covering thing and little pipes that can make them breathe, and you can clean them nicely, and and like, you know, and there's this nice nurse who comes and picks it up and shows you what to do. And like, okay, they have nothing. They put this baby in the thing that feeds the animals. <laughs> hey, talk about diseases, guys. I'm telling you. Right? All right, then, okay, it doesn't mention it in Luke, but I've got to mention it. It's the wise men, right? The wise men are from a land completely far away. They, they, they have to be spending time watching the stars to know when a new star arrives, and then they see the star, all right, and then they have to, they, they, they look at the prophecies and the stories, and then they have to travel a really long way to get to where the nativity is and where Jesus is born. And they bring all these gifts, all right, and they bring the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all right? And there's significance in those gifts, um, which I just want to quickly touch on. So gold, right? Um, was a symbol of wealth, signifying Jesus was the king of kings. And then the frankincense, uh, which was a fragrant resin, which used in rituals, which was, symbolizes his divinity. And then we've got the myrrh, which is uh, an aromic resin, which is used for embalming, which also prophesied of his eventual suffering and death as our savior. Now, if you look at all of this stuff put together, and the reason why I wanted to mention all of those things, including the gifts, is, is something specific I want you to know. is that firstly, God was born, Jesus, Jesus was born, sorry. <laughs> Jesus was born into not like a romantic, beautiful world. He was born into something really, really heavy. Something ordinary. Very ordinary. God used all of those moments. Do you know that God at the time, made sure that he knew what was going on with Caesar and, what, and Julius and this whole fight, and he used him to cause a decree so that the prophecy of the Savior being born in Bethlehem could happen. He spoke to some wise men far away in a land we don't even know so that they could come and bring gifts that would be an eventual prophecy to who he is and what he was going to do. He was at work way before we could even imagine and he was at work in the ordinary, every day. 
Not in Christians only, but in everything. Why why is this so important? You see, God sent his son into this world so that he could be our ultimate gift, our ultimate savior. He was given to us, but he was given to us, and he had you, 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 countless people at mind. Your specific individual person, you, he had in mind. He knew that when one day you were gonna be sitting in an auditorium at New Creation Family Church, and you were gonna be sitting here with certain needs, certain wants, certain desires, certain longings, and he knew that the first thing you needed was forgiveness. So he sent Jesus, so he could be reconciled to you. See, if our greatest need as a humanity was information, he would have sent a scholar. If, his greater, if our greatest need was technology, he would have sent an engineer or a, somebody very good like that. If our greatest need was um, to be entertained, <laughs> he would have sent an entertainer. If our greatest need was money and wealth, he would have sent an economist or a business person. But he knew your greatest need was forgiveness, and so he sends Jesus, a savior. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift that God gives us is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Ephesians 2 verse eight says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. When God gave us his son, he did so with our deepest needs in mind. We all sin, we all fall short of God's glory, and he needed to give us something, he needed to give us that gift, the gift of eternal life. But that doesn't actually stop there, and that's not the sermon I actually wanna continue preaching on. What I wanna continue preaching on is that God didn't just give us a gift so that we could have a new life and, well, that's it. He wanted to give us a gift that keeps on giving, a gift that, was a, that would be a blessing to everything that we do. See, if it, for a gift to be the perfect gift, it needs to meet three very specific criteria, okay? By the way, I don't take any credit for this. This is um, discovered researching, okay? Google stuffs, all right? Um, so for a perfect gift to be perfect, it needs, number one, the gift should reflect the one who gives it, okay? So the gift should reflect the one who gives the gift. Number two, it should reflect the knowledge and the needs and the wants or the desires of the one receiving the gift, all right? And number three, it needs, the gift should be of a nature and a quality that would continue over time, okay? So it, 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 there has to be a time and a quality element to this gift for it to be perfect, right? Jesus was the perfect gift, why? Because he gives us, Jesus, the gift to us, and number one, it reflects the one who gave him, God the Father. Number two, God's gift reflects the knowledge and the needs of us, as I just mentioned. And then number three, the gift is of Jesus is of a nature and a quality that holds its value as time goes on. Jesus is eternal. 
So I want to share three things about this gift that we have received, all right? Because Jesus comes into our hearts and, and the Holy Spirit fills us, as Tepiso mentioned last week. And when, he's in our, when the Holy Spirit is in us, when Jesus, um, the, the Spirit of Jesus is in us, right? When he lives in us, that, right? Three things need to happen. Number one, you need to understand that you are then equipped to be a gift to other people. Because if he is with us and in us and helping us with everything we are, you are the vessel through which God can then impact those around you. God, when he gives, let's say God was to give you a gift um, of a mug. Let's say you're a teacher and you get a mug. Teachers always get mugs. I don't know why. It's a bit random. I mean, think outside the box, really. Anyway, um, Does, does um, if God was to give you, if I, if I was to give you a mug from God, right, who's the gift from? From me or from God? From God, right? So if I give you the gift of a mug from God, it's from God, right? It's not from me, I'm just the person handing it over, right? And again, if that gift has to be the perfect gift, it's got to reflect who it's coming from, who it's going to, and, it has, and that the quality and over time. Is it something impactful and meaningful? So I can, I, can, I can give my wife a set of diamond earrings and she can be like, woohoo, right? But if I'm like, hey, there's some earrings and our marriage isn't great, here's some earrings, you know, put them on, hope you're happy, bye. Not gonna, be, not gonna mean anything, right? But I could give her, I could give her like some little earrings that I bought from a toy shop and, I, and, and the way I give it and how I give it and, and, and the meaning that I bring to that gift can change its value completely. It doesn't have to be diamonds then. It could be anything. Because it's, it's not about the gift or the, the actual thing, right? The gift is all three. Who it's from, who it's going to, and it's quality over time, the memories that is attached to it. James 1, 17, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation um, due to, shadow due to change. Okay, so in this, in this verse, I want you to look at these two words, gift there, all right? Every good gift and every perfect gift. Every good gift, the first word gift there. Um, is a different Greek word to the other word gift. See, English, we just sometimes, we just, we like that. Anyway, so it's not the same word. It's actually two different words, right? So the first one, every good gift, that is the Greek word dosis, and it focuses on the act of giving rather than the gift itself. When people give gifts, they have mixed motives or feelings. Some are good and some are bad. When God bestows a gift, his motives are always from his perfect character. Right? Every good gift, every gift that is given from God is perfect. The second word gift there, every perfect gift, that word um, in Greek is dorma, and it refers to the actual gift, the actual physical thing that you're giving. Right? So every good gift, the action, and every perfect gift, the thing, that is given by God um, is a gift by its nature and it benefits the recipient. These God-given gifts can range from the air we breathe to a person's time, to opportunities that they receive, to anything. 
God knows what gift he wants to give you. It may not always be the same for somebody else, but he knows the gift he wants to give you. And every gift he gives, every action of giving that he gives to you is for you or for somebody. And it's perfect. So inside you, you have the opportunity to give of this gift to other people. It may be a smile, it may be a physical something. You, have, you are equipped, you have everything you need because it all comes from God. You have everything you need to give to somebody else. The perfect gift. You see, when God gives a perfect gift, it's not to be something that, it may not be something you want, but it is always something you need. See, God, so Santa, you know, you, we have to write a list to Santa to give him the stuff that we want, you know, or, you know, I, you know we got we to gotta give the list, you know, like, honey, I would like this, <laughs> okay, and you send your list. God doesn't need that, and you don't need to know that either, unless you need to. God knows when you, on every opportunity, in your everyday moments, in your everyday lives, when you're looking after the sheep or you are the Roman emperor or you are whatever it is that you're doing, God knows exactly what he wants to do in you for somebody else. The perfect gift. And that's the mystery. There are countless ways that we, this gift can manifest. It could be making meals. It could be um, visiting somebody. It could be repairing somebody. It could be giving them finances. The possibilities are endless, but the gift that we can always give is to make sure that we are ready to give of that gift to others for the benefit of others. Number two, what, how, when, and why are you giving? So it's very, very important that you also understand that that counts, okay? What, when, why, how you give counts a lot, all right? It is so important that it's not just at Christmas that we, get, that we can give gifts or give good gifts. We give gifts our whole lives, Every moment, whether we're at work, whether we are at home, whether we're shopping, doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, how you're doing it, God has, could at that moment be wanting to, give, to use you as a gift to somebody else. The perfect gift. You can offer hope when there is none. You could offer encouragement when it is needed most. You could show joy when others are drowning in sorrow. You could offer kindness despite being surrounded by hate. You could offer a hand of compassion in a world that only cares for oneself. You could offer patience when met with impatience. You could give a hand so they can regain their strength. And you can offer Jesus. Your words, your thoughts, your prayers, your actions can be salted with Jesus and are shone through you in everything that you do. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. In our everyday moments, God is asking us to shine our light. Whether we're sitting down at a meal at a restaurant, whether we're standing at a robot and somebody walks up, whether we are just taking our, our dog for a walk, whether we're spending time with our, with our loved ones that we've known for years, God knows exactly what he needs you to do and to say and to give. And so it matters that you are listening. 
matters that you are in communion with God, that you're in relationship with him so you know when you can give. He's asking us to use our gifts, our talents, our words, our hearts to illuminate hope to the hopeless and give faith to the faithless. So I want to to, to really illustrate this point. I could not think of anything more important than this. So over the last few months, um, for, for various reasons, and you can go and speak to Elise, you can, and, and you can see why, uh, how it all came about. There's a nice long story to us. But Elise decided or, or had on her heart that she wanted to help some elderly people at an Eventide um, home. And so she shared this heart to the NC Seniors team. And the NC Seniors got together and were like, yeah, we're going to do this. And so over the last few months, they've rallied together and they, they gave of their own finances, money, they gave of resources that they had. They gave of their time to make things. They packed bags twice. Um, they, they, they spent all this time and they put it, and then eventually we, we had the opportunity to go last week, a Sunday after church, we went to Eventide and we got to just share with them and pray with the people and give them these gifts that they prepared. And there was a whole lot of things in there, books and soap and chocolates and cookies and all those kinds of stuff. And they had an opportunity to do this. And so I just want to honor the NC seniors for exactly the sermon that I'm preaching today. Because they took an everyday thing, things that they, took for, they take for granted sometimes, or sometimes they think, you know, or, you know, maybe we're older and so we can't offer anything, or you know, I'm on pension, so my t- money is tight, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to give anything, but they gave what they could. So let's give them a round of applause for an amazing story. And the best part is we have no idea the impact that those people, that, that, that they received by the actions that they were given, by those little packs. The light on some of those people's faces when they opened their little packet and saw just like soap and toothbrushes and some basic stuff. Some of them maybe thought, ah, you know, oh well. But we would, we, there's no ways of measuring. There's no ways of measuring the gift that they had given. None. Because it wasn't just contained in a little packet that was given to them, right? It had something of value, of time, of quality. Of the, it reflected who, came, who it came from and who it was going to. It was the perfect gift. Because it carried Jesus' name. And he got glorified. So the mystery is, is, is the, in the impact that you can make on others when you are giving. Through giving, we have the ability to partner. Oh, hello, Martina. Hello, sweetie. Hello. Through giving, we have the ability. We have the ability to make even bigger and more global impact for the kingdom of God than we could ever have. We don't, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know if my daughter will ever know the impact that she makes in my life, the joy she brings in my life. But God knows. And he uses her to bless me. When we take action through allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us in our everyday lives, pursuing and sharing the good news in our community, we are able to make an impact in the kingdom that we can never measure. It's through God's, that's how God gets his glory. God graciously allows us, this is, the, this is the crazy part, is God 
And it shows by the nativity, God chooses to use you. He chose to use Caesar Augustus. He chose to use the shepherds. He chose to use wise men. He chose to use Mary. He chose to use Joseph. He chooses you. And we have an incredible opportunity to give. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, whichever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will, will himself be watered. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. So I want, to, I want you to take a moment and I want you to close your eyes. There's no better illustration of how little, it's, just, it's a little illustration of something really bigger, but there's no better illustration. I want you to think back in your life and I want you to think of the people or the moments that impacted you the most. The birth of your son or your daughter, getting married, maybe getting a job that you wanted. Maybe you received in a blessing financially into your account or in an envelope. I want you to think about those moments that impacted you most and then think about why did it impact me so much? Can you measure it? Is it a lot? Is it a little? Now, I want you to add to that, and I want you to think about all the times that God impacted you without you even knowing it. Now, I want you to think, if that's how you felt, what happens and open your eyes. But what happens if God uses you to make that impact in somebody else's life? Hey? How amazing is that? Now imagine impacting that times like 200 people. Now imagine impacting our community like that. That is the mystery of this gift the perfect gift. Because it's not just one action. He didn't just die on the cross for us. It just continues, continues to give in our everyday moments. You, you cannot measure the five rand that you give to somebody. Oh, it's only five rand. That's, that's value, it's five rand. You have no idea to measure when you give it. A kind word. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up like with this, with my challenge to you this morning. Firstly, I want you, over the season, today, tomorrow, this next week, while you're on holiday, while you're not on holiday, depends on what you're doing, where you're going, I want you to take some time to meditate and to say thank you to God for the impact that he's made in your life. Because he made an impact whether you knew it or not, whether you believe in him or not. Whether you love him or not, he loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. 
I want you to think about that. Think about this gift that he gave. Not born into a Hollywood movie, but born into a world of turmoil. And he could have, he could have chosen to put him in a palace with rich parents, could have maybe bigger influence, could have changed the Roman Empire and the world we know today. But he knew. He knew what we needed, not what we wanted. So that's our first challenge to you this week. Are you going to take time to think about those blessings, the impact that God has made in your life? And then my second challenge to you is, we, you, hopefully you have received the greatest gift that, it, that you could ever have gotten, Jesus Christ. Hopefully you've accepted him into your life. And if you've accepted him, so the, and if you haven't accepted him, so firstly, if you have not accepted him, you better find a way to get him. Come and speak to us or speak to somebody, but find Jesus. Just get that gift, like straight up, just say. But if you have Jesus in your life and Jesus is within you, his spirit is in within you, the Holy Spirit is within you, if you, if, if, if you, if you know Jesus, I want you to find how are you in the, into going into 2024, what difference are you gonna be able to make into 2024? How are you going to purposefully spend time with, with him? How are you purposefully going to, in your everyday actions, how you work, how you run, how you gym, how you spend time with your loved ones, whatever it is you're doing, how in those everyday moments are you gonna be the gift that Jesus wants you to be? To his glory and for his glory in 2024. Because you will, you, the, the impact that you can make, God is calling each of us to, go, to come to him, to be reconciled to him, to participate with him, to be empowered by his spirit with him and to others. Amen? That's your challenge. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to gather in your name. I thank you, Lord God, that this Christmas I received a different revelation of your gift that you've given me. Thank you, Lord God, that you came into my life, that you changed my life. Thank you, Lord God, that one day when I was a teenage boy, just feeling so vulnerable, so lost, Lord God, that you came and you touched me and said, I've got something for you. Thank you, Lord, that when I accepted you, I wanted the superpower that you promised, the Holy Spirit. I wanted to be able to change the world. And I wanna say thank you, Lord God, that as I've grown in my relationship with you, as I spend time with you, I wanna say thank you, Lord God, that hopefully the world around me has changed because you are in my life. I wanna say thank you, Lord God, for each and every single person in this auditorium. I wanna say thank you that you've empowered them, that you've purposed them, that you've equipped them, that you've gifted them with all that they need for them to empower and change the world around them. Thank you for our babies, our toddlers, young adults, our teens, our NC seniors, our men's ministry, our women's ministry. We thank you for King's School. We thank you for Oasis. We thank you for our missions teams. Thank you for everything that you have been doing and are doing in this world today, Lord. Thank you that you equip us in every single way. And help us, Lord God, as, as, in this Christmas season, help us to just really tap into that, tap into your son that was given to us. 
Jesus' name. Amen.